podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. This is the Impact Exposure. I want to thank you for joining us. We have an amazing show lined up for you today. I've been looking forward to this show all week, as a matter of fact. Uh, we're going to be speaking a little while with uh, Dennis Martell from the Olin Health Center about a uh, grant that MSU just received for their work uh, with high-risk uh, alcohol abuse here at the school. Uh, following that, uh, we'll have a large panel discussion of all the great activities and events that are coming up during Welcome Week, speaking with uh, various people from the financial aid department, uh, career services, uh, organizers of Welcome Week itself, and uh, another, uh, another lady from uh, the sexual health department in Hol- in uh, Olin Health Center. But uh, before we get to any of that, we're now speaking with uh, Denise Harris from uh, Lansing Community College. I want to thank you for joining us. Good evening. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, certainly. You've, uh, you've got a great event coming up. It's the uh, Caribbean Festival uh, this Saturday, August 25th, uh, from noon until midnight over at LCC. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit what that's uh, all about? Well, yeah, man, festival soon <laughs> come down to LCC. Uh, <laughs> it is our kickoff to our welcome week down there. Mm-hmm. This is going to be our actual 13th one. Uh, it's a full day from noon to midnight of music, food, shopping, dancing. Uh, we have a family village for the kids. We have a whole host of activities for your children um, from noon to six. Um, so it's just a variety of fun and uh, for everybody, for the whole family. It's a family event. Excellent. And we, you know, and it's and it's the kickoff to. Our welcome week, and your students at, in the at the, in the MSU community are coming back as well. So, absolutely, a good way to welcome everybody back. That's right, we're welcoming everybody. Well, now, what what sort of activities do you have going on? What can people expect to see? Well, first of all, of course, the music. The mm-hmm. music is uh, just a whole, um, uh, just a, I don't know, a whole melting pot of music that's representing the entire Caribbean diaspora that actually starts off with Africa, which is the motherland of the diaspora. And it includes uh, our opening procession, which will be the Zulu Connection, which is um, a world-renowned, world-known still dancing troupe that has performed with Cirque du Soleil, and they, they've been to Africa and Egypt and all over the wow. all over the world performing. And they have an awesome act, and they are going to be performing with our local group of dancers, African dancers and drummers, called the Ritabi Dancers. And they're some a local children's teen and adult group. And so they're going to do the opening procession at one o'clock. And they're going to do that, the the, the the procession and the drumming and the still dancing until 2. And then from 2 to 3, we'll have the ARC band. And they're from Ohio. They're basically based there now, but they fr- they also have members from all over the Caribbean. Mm. And they're going to bring reggae. And from 4 to 5.30, we have the Trinidad Tripoli Steel Pan Calypso Band, which is the our... Our signature act. It wow. it was actually the group, the first group that we had when we started our Caribbean festival, which was 13 years ago, as I indicated. And it started off as a one-hour noontime event with punch and cookies and <laughs> thus the still band. And uh, we had maybe about 40 people there. And we have evolved to an all-day noon to midnight event with all the things that I just mentioned. With oh, Well, last year we were uh, reported to have over 15,000 people. Wow. So we have grown a little bit, 
And uh, as I said, they will be there from 4 to 5.30. And then 5.30 to 6, we'll have what we call Mako Jumbi. And that, again, is where the, the stilt dancers proceed through the marketplace um, with the dancers and the drumming. And so that's from 5.30 to 6. So from 6 to 7.30, we have Orchestra La Inspiration, which, which performs salsa, Latin jazz, merengue, and cumbia music. And then from 8 to 9.30... We'll have Calypso Rose with Universal Expressions. And Universal Expressions is a well-known reggae band, but Calypso Rose, we're very excited about having. She's an international artist that, um, if, you, if, you know, if anybody knows the Caribbean music genre, they'll tell you that Calypso, Calypso Rose is known to be like the Aretha Franklin of soul music. Oh, wow. So we are very excited to have her. She's like an icon in the, in the Caribbean music world. And from 9.30 to 10, um, we have, the again, the Ritabi dancers and Zulu dancing and drumming for another half an hour. And then from 10 to 11.30, we have Higher Heights, which is a female reggae band. Oh, and cool. these are some jamming sisters. <laughs> and they are based in um, New Orleans. And, and oh, so wow. is uh, um, the still, still group, Zulu, Zulu Connection. They're, they're also actually um, based out of New Orleans now as well. But Higher Heights, these are some jamming females. So wow, nice. Come and check them out. So that 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 is all the music that we're so, having for the day. Is it safe to say that the music is, is the, the centerpiece of yes, the festival? Yes, that's the centerpiece. Nice, but nice. we have a lot of extras on the side that sure. are just as you know <laughs> exciting and People should come and, well, where people will enjoy Certainly. Um, on that day. We have a marketplace, and we call it the Caribbean World Marketplace. And in the marketplace, you can find um, anything from clothing, jewelry, shoes, artwork, music, handbags, accessories. We have cigar box purses, which are very interesting. Pottery, baskets, uh, body oil, incense, drums, shea butter, sunglasses, wood carvings, dolls, sculptures, batiks, rugs, pillows. We have our tie-dye guy who brings a whole collection of tie-dye shirts, shorts, socks, sheets, and onesies that the little babies wear. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, we just have, that's just a tip of the variety that we have in our marketplace. So if you come... um, uh, bring money to shop because um, <laughs> there's no charge for the event itself, but people like to come and enjoy the food and, and the shopping as well. So that's just a little bit of what we're going to have in the marketplace. And we usually have between 50 and 60 vendors there from all over, from as far away as Atlanta and Florida, Oklahoma. They come from New York, Chicago. Mm-hmm. They come from all over with their wares to be in our marketplace. Wow. And also in our marketplace, I'd like to mention that we're going to have the MSU Caribbean Students Association there. And they always have a table, and they have uh, for sale flags and jewelry and arts and crafts and memorabilia from a whole host of different Caribbean countries. Hmm. So they are always there, too, and we're happy to have them as a part of that. And um, another big part of our festival is, as I mentioned, the food. A lot of people come for the food. It's always my favorite. I know <laughs> just like the shopping, we have just a whole host of different um, um, 
culinary delights, I could say, that represent the entire Caribbean diaspora as well. And uh, I, I can mention some of the things that we have. This is just a tip of that, too. But, you know, in addition to all of your, you know, traditional festival stuff, like the hot dogs and the fries and, you know, and that kind of thing, we like to also focus on that, that food genre of the Caribbean. Sure. So we have your jerk chicken. We have curry goat. We have beans and rice. We'll have jambalaya. We'll have pork. I'm sorry for me to say, puero asada. We'll have fried plantains, which is like a banana that they, they have in the islands that's fried. Um, we're going to have, uh, and, and the puero asada is like roasted pork. Oh. And we're going to have tostones. We're going to have fried plantain. We're going to have fried catfish and tilapia. Mm. We're going to have a, a host of fried vegetables. Plus, um, we're going to have some vegetarian Caribbean dishes. So for the folks that don't eat meat, we have something for them as well. Um, we're going to have barbecue ribs and, and chicken and um, bean and sweet potato pie, which is also a delicacy that people really love, the sure. bean pie. And just a whole variety of tropical drinks, including ting and ginger beer and just everything you want to you wow. know have we just we would literally have a taste of the caribbean on the downtown campus of Lansing Community College I'm getting we're just hearing about it <laughs> <laughs> and then an, another highlight that we have is our family village because we are a family friendly festival and we we strongly when we when we talk about it we like to talk about the things that we have there and emphasize the family village because you can it's open from noon to mid, noon to 6 actually and there's something for all ages we have a giant slide we have clowns that do balloon sculptures we have a face painting we have a balloon make i mean a bubble making station we have um, where kids can make all kinds of arts and crafts, Caribbean jewelry and, you know, things like that and headbands. Hands-on and that. stuff. Yep, on. Yep, nice. yep, all kinds of hands-on stuff for the kids. And then we actually have different contests where, we're going, where they'll have the opportunity to win prizes. And uh, Steak, and, Steak and Shake is sponsoring a lot of the prizes and the giveaways that we're going to have nice. in the uh, family village, you know, from the, the free shakes and just all kinds of things that the kids would like. And... Um, that's a big part, you know, and we have, and this time, this year, we have repositioned our family village, so it'll be on the stage, well, not on the stage, but real close to the stage, because our surveys in the past have indicated that parents say, oh, we had it too far, and they couldn't enjoy the music and still watch their kids. Sure. So this year, they will be able to see the stage from family village, so oh, nice. we, we, want to, we want to meet that need as well. And also, uh, Sony Music is going to be having a large presence at our festival this year. And they are going to be bringing all types of Caribbean music to mm. give away, actually, Very at nice. the festival. So if you want to get some free CDs of different Caribbean bands, um, come on out, because Sony will be there. Oh, Sony will be there with that, <laughs> and uh, we're, it'll be there. Right. And um, we also, Lansing Dish, Dish Solutions is going to be one of our sponsors, okay. and they're going to have a table giving out things and information from the Dish Solutions. And I'd like to mention, now that I've said that, that we have, for the first time, we have, we are, our festival is partnering with the LCC Foundation. And we're offering a new scholarship slash sponsorship opportunity that's, that's connected to the festival. And it's called the Perpetual Rhythms Scholarship and Sponsorship Fund. And we call it Perpetual Rhythms because that's exactly what it, we want it to be. We want the festival to and the music to be perpetual rhythms on the campus every year. Hmm. So we have different sponsorship levels that you can, you know, 
agree to, to sign up for if you want. It should be a sponsor, a sponsor of the festival, starting from a groupie. And a groupie is the first <laughs> level of sponsorship that you can have. And if you want to sign up for the, uh, the groupie level, sh- level sponsorship that day at the festival, you can do that. And, and we're, another reason why we're doing that is because over the years we've had people come to us and say, well, I would like to be a part of this. And I'd li- I so much enjoy it. And, you know, there's no fee connected to it, but I'd like to give back in some sure, kind of way. Sure. So we're giving them the opportunity. Sure and is. to be a groupie, which is what we encourage people that day if they're interested, because, as I said, that's the lowest level we're having. And uh, 50% of the proceeds will go to actually uh, the Perpetual Rhythm Scholarship Fund through the foundation. And then the other 50% of that sponsorship will go towards the the um, production of the fi- of the festival itself will go towards expenses of the festival. Hmm. So you will actually be helping both the perpetual, um, you know, rhythms of the festival and sure. perpetually help our students to financially um, go to LCC. So we're excited about that Absolutely. as well. And if people are, as I said, if they're interested, they can actually, we'll have a table there. We'll have our information table and the f- foundation will have a table there with us. And if they want to sign up for that sponsorship level that day, they can. And they actually will get a free T-shirt that day if they decide to do it. And <laughs> also, I want to mention, I want to mention that a, a large part of the, those proceeds are tax deductible. Oh, but nice. they can get all the, the, you know, the particulars about it that day. And so just if they just stop by the information and also the LCC Foundation table, we can give them more information about that. Is there a level beyond groupie? Yeah, we have groupie, we have uh, reggae, we have calypso, we have um, we have reggae, calypso, groupie, let me make sure I get it right, <laughs> uh, salsa. Okay. And they well they go from the groupie is the first one and then the next one is reggae, the next one is salsa, the next one is calypso, and the highest level is the perpetual rhythm. So oh. and it's nice to know that you can you know that you're directly helping not only the festival but the, the students right. as well. And that's what the people can, you know, know that, that, that they're it? not just helping helping the production, as you said, the production of the festival, but they're also giving our students a, a scholarship opportunity. Now is that the, the, the motivation behind having a festival like this? Well the motivation behind having our festival was to be the kickoff of Welcome mm-hmm. Week. And um, eventually it has grown so much. Before we were, we were just wanting it to be just a fun time to welcome our students sure, back to sure. them. But as I said, um, we've had people over the years come to us and want to know, you know, I guess they feel guilty because they have so much fun and not charge a fee, so <laughs> They're trying to figure out, what can I do? But So, you know, and then we thought about it. Our committee thought about it. And and we said, well, what can we do to, you know, get some some revenues and let people give them at least the option, you know, because we always want it to be a a free, you know, festival and free parking and all that. But we want to give them the option now. If they want to contribute in some type of way financially for those two purposes, the the scholarship and the uh, actual continuation of the production of the festival, that's how they can do it. Excellent. Well, this sounds like a fantastic event, the uh, Caribbean Festival at uh, Lansing Community College this Saturday, August 25th from noon until midnight. Great opportunity to catch diverse music, diverse foods, diverse marketplace. I mean, wh- mm-hmm. I, a great way to start uh, to, to see end of the summer and beginning of, of, of school, I, I, I can definitely tell. Uh, if you have, if uh, anyone's interested in more information on that, uh, it can be found at 517 517-483. Uh, one two eight five, or on the LCC website at lcc.edu, and then there's a link on the homepage for the festival itself. Okay. Uh, Denise, I want to thank you for joining us today. Tell us all about the event. Thank you for having me. Certainly, I'm anytime. We look forward to. Absolutely. Great day that day. Sounds like a great event. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with uh, Dennis Martell from the Olin Health Center to talk about a, a grant that MSU just received, and we'll be taking care of that in just a few moments.
you're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. All right, thanks for uh, joining us. We are back. Uh, We're just speaking with Denise Harris from uh, LCC, talking about the Caribbean Festival coming up as part of their Welcome Week on Saturday, August 25th. Uh, If you missed that, more information is available by calling 517-483-1285 or the LCC website at lcc.edu, and just go and click on that festival link for more info on that. We're going to switch gears now, and we're speaking with uh, Dr. D, a.k.a. Dennis Martell from the Olin Health Center. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us, sir. Thanks, Wes. It's good to be back on the impact. Oh, we are always welcome to have you. And uh, you are here to talk about a grant that uh, we that MSU just received. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what that what that's all about? Well, you know, the the uh, U.S. Department of Education does a competition uh, back starting in February, March, and you kind of uh, apply for this grant and you put your program out there for them to kind of dissect it, and inspect it, and look at the data, you know, and and then they. Uh, They'll give you a call. It's called a competition for a model grant. Well, we put it forth, and uh, back in about April, they said, you know, we want to take another look. So they sent a team of people out here to go through all the data, and then they talked with students and got some perspective on students. And and the uh, the model program we put forth was our approach to uh, challenging the environment of high-risk drinking. And uh, and that can mean a lot of different things. I'm sure you're sure. going to ask me, Wes. But I am indeed. <laughs> we, uh, we, uh, they came here, they did a, an assessment, they talked to everyone, they came back, and they made uh, a distinction that MSU was the only... Uh, University of the Nation to receive this uh, designation in 2007, and there are, there are a lot of people who applied. Oh, yeah. And so we were designated a model program uh, and given $175,000 for a 12-month period to kind of enhance the program and disseminate it across the country. So it's, it, it's really, it really is, you know, not to sound, you know, hallmarkish, it's, <laughs> it really is a... Uh, 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 kudos for Michigan State and the community for approaching it in a manner in which uh, we're not saying, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Really just kind of taking the info, info that students give us and give it back to the incoming students and say, hey, you know, this is a good place. Uh, if you drink, uh, most people do it responsibly. And uh, let's let's cut the crap about all the myths out there that MSU is it's a party school, even though I know people love to say that at times, mostly the males, by the way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, love to call this a party school. But, you know, if you look at the data, 
you know, 78% of people chose Michigan State based on their academic reputation. You get about like 4% who say, I came here because it's a party school. Sure, so. but I'm sure I'm sure a lot of schools have that uh, <laughs> that same group of folks that are coming for that reason. So, yeah. But I know it's interesting because uh, the, uh, the unscientific Princeton Review released its uh, rankings today of party schools across the U.S. Oh. We're not even close. We're not even on the list, which I think is a testament, although there'll be some people I'm sure they're going to say, what do you mean? MSU's not on the list? You know, I party my butt off. Sure, you know? sure. Well, they're doing their part. <laughs> every, every university has a segment of students who love to party their butt off, you know. Sure. Well, now you mentioned the statistics there. What What would you say is the state of the culture of drinking on this campus? Well, you know, that's an interesting question because always people talk about the culture of drinking. Well, you know what? The U.S. and the world has a culture of drinking. Whenever there's a celebratory event anywhere in the world, alcohol is always kind of hand-in-hand uh, hand with that celebratory event, and, and, and it's condoned. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. You know, I could care less if people choose to drink. My job as an educator is to give them as much information as possible so they can make a healthy decision. And, you know, if they're underage, you know, they, they know the law. You know, everybody knows the law, so sure. you, you, you calculate your risk. I just want people to know what other people are doing to protect themselves when they do decide to drink. Because nobody ever goes out and says, hey, I want to get puking drunk tonight, and I want to get arrested, and I want to get assaulted. Nobody ever does that. Sure. They really go out for the social lubricant and for everything else. So the culture of drinking is mostly misperceived. You know, it's interesting, Wes, because, you know, what what year in school are you? you know, I'm a grad student. You're a grad student? I know, oh I'm old. Gosh, yeah. and the impact. we got a grad student. I know, believe impact. it or not. But, <laughs> you know, if you can remember back when you were a freshman, did you do your undergrad here? Uh, no, I was in a different state. Okay, yeah. well, we, we won't talk about right. that. But, <laughs> Don't hold but, it against me. <laughs> but most people, you know, when they come here as a freshman, they have these perceptions, you know, about what happens on campus. And I think everyone watched the movie Animal House maybe 15 too many sure. times. And everyone has these misperceptions about what happens on campus. You know, when you ask the average freshman back five, six years ago, you know, what does the average MSU student drink when they go up? They'd say 10, 15, you know, like every, anybody, everybody does Animal House type drinking. And uh, what we wanted to do was uh, provide the information back to them what students actually do do, you know. And, and so we know we asked students over the years, what do you do when you go out? You know, and they say, well, I usually drink between zero and four drinks, you know. And, yeah, we know the people who drink 15, and we also know people who are, are absent on campus. So you're asking me what the culture of drinking is. We're trying to change the perceptions of the culture. The culture is always there. It's synonymous. The only difference, it's really interesting, Wes, that if you go to Europe and stuff, They'll, they'll tell you that America has this ambiguous and politically charged relationship with alcohol, you know, and that they actually, uh, when it comes around celebration time, they use celebrations as justification to drink because morally it, it's, it's too politically charged. Mm-hmm. So they don't drink. So, you know, we have about 35% of our student population who only drink on celebratory occasions. And it's really interesting when you really yeah. look at the data. Most people don't know this. So the culture of drinking, I think, has changed significantly here because the perceptions have changed. You're always going to get those people who are going to write to, to uh, you know, state news or call the back and say, what do you mean? You know, it's still a party school. But I think the culture has changed because the perceptions changed. Sure. Well, now you mentioned the, the, the perception versus the reality. When you're when you're providing this information to students, I'm sure there's the, the one of the biggest challenges is ma- is doing it in a way that doesn't you know you're not coming down on them, you're not talking down to them. How do you how do you kind of confront that that challenge? Well, you know, we 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 use a lot. The students who actually produce our posters and our messages are students. 
So that uh, we don't use, you know, a, a glitzy PR firm to do those stuff. That we say, okay, how would you put this message out to students? You know, and and we start. We have gone through different renditions. Some of them been, you know, uh, not so successful, and other ones well received. And we we uh, evaluate all our messages uh, per semester, and that's one of the things the Department of Education was excited about. They said, wow, you know, students are seeing your messages. They're rating them as, uh, uh, you know, acceptable, new information, effective. Uh, so they like them. So we, we try to use very contemporary type of, uh, you know, visual displays, and, and we, don't, we don't preach. We say, okay, here, here's what most MSU students do. And, you know, especially on celebratory occasions, we don't even talk about how much an individual drinks because the norm is on celebratory occasions you drink a little bit more. Sure. So we really talk about what, what does the average MSU student do to protect themselves. So they stay with friends, they stay in one location, and they drink only one type of alcohol. So we're just telling you back what you told us. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. Students always say, oh, not in my circle. In my circle, we all do this. Or in my circle, yeah, well, you're always going to find that. And people sometimes don't believe the stats. I love to watch people see the posters or look at the ads. They'll go, no way, dude. You know, I, I know somebody who drinks 15 drinks. Well, sure. yeah, everybody knows that, <laughs> but it's kind of an urban myth. Right. So, so we, we try to use things, you know, that, that uh, you know, are really appealing to people, and we use this, you know, this kind of a Spartan uh, image and a Spartan uh, one image. Mm -hmm. you know? When I was looking at the, uh, the the study that you did, and, and uh, the team used a, a social norms approach. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're referring to, or is that something different? That is exactly what we're referring to. All we do is social norms says that if people have a misperception, especially people who are trying to fit in and trying to be of the norm, if they have a misperception, sometimes they, they will follow that misperception. It's like I said, the freshman who said, you know, 10 to 15 drinks, you know. Sure. Well, you, you know, when you, I do freshman orientation all the summer, and they all come in thinking they're top of their game and they realize, hey, I'm starting over, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a freshman and they all want to fit in so they have this perception that everybody drinks and they drink all the time and by the way, everybody has sex and has 10 different partners. They all have these misperceptions about sex and alcohol and they tend to do things before they realize what the true truth is about that. Mm -hmm. So social norm says if you ch if you correct the misperceptions, the behavior will change. In over six years, we've seen that. Perceptions have changed pretty dramatically, mm -hmm. significantly, although the numbers, you say, well, that's not a big significance. Well, it really is. If the perceptions change and the behaviors have changed, and one of the things we have done is reduce the harm. We've reduced yeah. academic harm, you know, by three percentage points, which is very significant. We've reduced other things such as uh, uh, unprotected sex and sexual assault in relation to alcohol by up to 78% mm -hmm. with these. So so it's been pretty significant. But am I under any illusions that high-risk drinking is going to stop or that we still won't have harm? No. I know that's the case. But I want people to have the correct perceptions about really what happens, and then you make your choice. Well, now, the, speaking of the perceptions, uh, what are some of the biggest myths that you hear from, from students? I mean, you, you, get the, you get information from them, and I mean, I've heard them all before, too. Hangover cures, or, you know, don't do this and do that, stay safe drinking. But what are some of the biggest ones that you hear that you want to dispel? Well, you know, a lot of people think that eating while drinking, you know, as long as I eat, no, I'm fine. Soak you know, up the yeah. alcohol. Well, yeah. it, it, <laughs> make, it makes for a more colorful uh, puke uh, most times. But <laughs> the reason for eating while you're drinking is to space it out. It's really about spacing out. And that's one of the biggest misperceptions about that. Or or that if you drink fast, you're not going to get drunk. You know, I've heard that one. Mm -hmm. You know, if you drink a certain type of alcohol, that's going to help. You know, the hangover remedies, oh, my gosh. You know, you could, you could write a book yeah, on course. that. Some of them are, yeah. are pretty hilarious. You know, that and if you drink a lot of water, this is going to help. I think the biggest misperception that has change on this campus, and, and some will argue with me, and they'll send me the, the normal email, hate mail, and say, uh, is that MSU is a party school. 
you know, that's not really what the students have told us. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny because I can just say, dude, that's the information you gave me. All right? It's it's a very scientific uh, study. You know, we try to get, you know, two, three thousand students to participate. They're saying, no, I chose MSU because it's academic reputation. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably the biggest misperception. And that's a tough one. You know, the toughest one to correct is with the media and parents. And, you know, it's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Parents are going to start dropping their kids off. They're going to say, you know, Johnny, I don't want you drinking like everyone else does at MSU. Well, you know, they kind of pass on these animal health misperceptions. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, on any given, you know, 25% of our student population doesn't drink at all. Yeah. And another 50% probably drink on certain occasions. You know, over a month's time, about 75% of people do drink. But we're not drinking all the time. Right. You know, and, right. and it's it's pretty reasonable. Most students know how to make good choices, you know. I think so. I mean, yeah, you just, as long as they have the tools, I would assume that they're, you know, they're able to make the, the right decision on that. Well, but that's the, that, you hit it, though. That's, the tools are the correct information. Mm-hmm. And you know, we never tend to like to talk about drinking. All we do is say, don't do this or don't do that. It's kind of like sex. Uh, just don't do it. I'm not going to give any information. Just don't do it. Right, no. right. That, like, that's doesn't really work. help. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, now, uh, last question for you before sure. we uh, head off to the break. Uh, if, if the student's on campus and is concerned that maybe their drinking is a bit out of control or, or they have friends who do, what, what would you recommend that they do to get information or, or good resources for that? that that's, I'm glad that was your final question for you <laughs> because it's a good one because we do have services both in Allen Health Center. We have uh, Rebecca Allen, who's our ATOD coordinator, is very versed in how to get students help. You can call the Allen Health Center. You can call us uh, at the number. I don't have the number handy. Or you can just email us. We also have a, a, a thing called Body Line. Just go on the Allen website. It says Body Line. You can recommend or, or do an anonymous uh, uh, you know, help in the MSU Counseling Center. MSU Counseling Center is a brand new person who's dealing specifically with ATOD, um, they're uh, open to anybody who has any concerns about that. Please give us a call. We, you know, we'd love to hear from you, and we'd rather hear from you now than when you really got a problem. Absolutely, and uh, I'm sure you know confidentiality goes without saying. I'm sure oh, all that is bet. guaranteed. You know, it, so. I, I lose all credibility if I don't have the confidentiality of the student. You know, we don't. Uh, your your protection and your confidentiality is number one with us. Excellent. Well, it sounds like you're running a great program, and uh, congratulations again on the Thanks, grant. Thanks, I hope you're going to stick around for the panel. I'll do that. Excellent. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with uh, a great panel discussion about all the great events and activities coming up uh, during Welcome Week and all the things you need to know that you may not know already, and we're going to do that right after this break. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that smoking? Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. When you get up in the morning and turn on the radio, you don't want to hear those other guys talking on your way to work, do you? You don't want to hear talking. You want to hear music. So here at The Impact, we are making you a promise. We're calling it the More Music Mornings 89 Second Play. We, The Impact, pledge that every weekday morning from 8 to 10 a.m., we will shut up and play music. We pledge that we won't talk for more than 89 seconds at a time, meaning more music all morning long. We pledge that every caller who requests a song between 8 and 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, will be entered to win a great Impact prize. And we pledge that in return for your listening to us, we will listen to you and play more music that you want to hear. 
So tune into The Impact for more music mornings. Let us know what to play, and maybe you could win some cool stuff. Only here on 88.9 The Impact. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. All right, we are back to Exposure. I want to thank you for joining us again. We were just speaking with Dennis Martell from the Olin Health Center about uh, a grant they just received for challenging the culture of high-risk drinking on campus. He, Dennis, of course, still here with us uh, at a large panel that we've assembled here to talk about all the great uh, upcoming events this for, for Welcome Week as well as things that uh, incoming students really should know about their future here at MSU. Uh, we have uh, with us Gwen Pearson from the MSU Career Services Network uh, talking about a little about, uh, about online presence and uh, you know, maybe the do's and don'ts of that for, for students, as well as uh, Rick Shipman here from the Office of uh, Financial Aid talking about uh, opportunities for financial aid, credit card responsibility, uh, various topics like that that affect students and their uh, financial well-being. Uh, we also have uh, Erica Jessup-Anger from the Department of Student Life to talk about uh, our, our Welcome uh, Week events and activities, as well as Aaron Williston from uh, the Center for Sexual Health Promotion over at Olin to talk about uh, great ways to stay healthy here on campus. So again, everybody, I want to thank you for joining us. And uh, Aaron, or excuse me, Gwen, uh, we'll start with you. Um, again, talking about uh, social networking, blogging, all that, which, you know, a student myself, I'm, I'm on every site <laughs> blogging all the time. You know, I'm, I'm just as wired as anybody else. But what, what are some of the potential dangers that, that, that students end up finding from well, that? Well, let's, let's start with positive things. Okay, let's start um, with positive things yeah, then. let's start sure, happy. Sure. Um, there's actually a lot of great things that you can accomplish by being on Facebook, um, MySpace, other places. Um, you can keep in contact with your friends. It also can be a source for job leads for you um, or if you're looking for an internship. Um, so basically there's a lot of data that suggests that up to 70% of jobs are never posted. So that means you need to know somebody. Sure. And one of the best ways to know somebody, especially if you want, let's say, an internship at a huge company like Pfizer, if you go on Facebook, you put in Pfizer, you can find a whole bunch of people that have worked there. So that can work well for you. Absolutely. On the other hand, if you contact that person, um, once you've contacted them, they can see your profile. <laughs> and if the first thing they see on your profile is you in a very minimal coverage <laughs> attire uh, holding a beer and your age is 18, that's going to be a problem. That's not something you want on your resume, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so the biggest issue is privacy. Mm -hmm. um, privacy to protect yourself, uh, privacy to basically put the best image of yourself forward that you can. Uh, so the protecting yourself, you don't want to put so much information about yourself online that someone can stalk you very easily. And that is something that you want to think about. Sure. Well, um, now you, mentioned, you mentioned the privacy uh, issue. Uh, you know, like Facebook, sites like that do have you know, privacy options to, to tone down what people can see. Mm -hmm. Are there any, any good tips for, for folks who have these sites that Maybe they're just not aware of what options there are just some, to kind of minimize that risk. Some of it is to read very carefully. So for Facebook, for example, which is one place where a lot of students are, um, when there's lots of really cool things you can add to Facebook. Like I've got Food Fight, mm -hmm. um, so you can throw food at people. When you add one of those fun applications, there's a little box that says you are giving the maker of this application access to all your personal information. Uh -huh. And so you need to think carefully about who that is. Mm -hmm. So Jobster is now offering a job service um, application on Facebook, which means that if you join, they have not answered my questions about 
can an employer who's interested in you see all of your personal information? Um, and one of the things that all of these sites let you do is put very personal information out there, like your race, your sexual preference. Um, sometimes people put a lot of information mm -hmm. in terms of not just sexual preference, but what they like to do. Of course. Um, and all of those are things that, even though it is illegal for an employer to make a decision on that, that doesn't mean that they might not still do that. Right, right. Um, and, and particularly in the case of race, I think that's being able to see a photograph, there's really mixed data in terms of the research that's been done. Mm -hmm. And so that's something to think about. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, sort of the, uh, the potential danger, I suppose, of, of uh, that freedom of information. Uh, we take, take for granted, I suppose. Um, well, you know, I, I also think it's not just the quality of the uh, Internet use, as we would say. One of the things that I think we have in common with all you folks is we've been collecting a lot of data on those uh, health issues out there. And we consider Internet addiction a, a health issue uh, that affects students' academic. And we also do credit card debt, too. Uh, but we've seen since 2000 an exponential increase of student reporting academic harm from excessive Internet use uh, to the point now it's up to 18.6% of, of students, undergrads, report academic harm with it being about 26% of males. And so we're seeing the average freshman now spending three hours per day beyond academics on the Internet and Facebook and uh, instant messaging. Some of it's gaming, too, but it's, you know, I was talking to parents today about how to, you know, as you drop your kid off, when they, when they, when they pull out, when they want their Xbox with them or their Wii game when they're not looking sick it back in the car and drive <laughs> off with it because a lot of these students are spending enormous amount of time to the point where we now call it intimacy. They're finding their intimacy on the internet and not in their social relationships. So it's it's a significant health problem as we see it also. Now, does yeah. Owen treat something like that? Is that do you have a, a resources set aside? For Boy, yeah, like that? that's well, you're so right on today, Wes, <laughs> because we just got a, a call from a parent saying, "Help me! How do I get my my uh, freshman off the internet who's spending eight hours a day on the internet?" Mm -hmm. And we don't have a lot of solutions. We have a checklist to tell you whether you have a problem, but you know it's kind of an oxymoron where the university sets you up for all this internet free inter internet usage, and they want you to have a laptop. But they say not too much because you really need to study and do the other things. Uh, we've talked to parents about the first question out of their mouth shouldn't be, how's your grades? It should be, are you making social relationships? Are you getting exercise? Because one of the other big problems we're seeing is back pain mm -hmm. is out of control because what are students doing all day? They're sitting there all day. Right. They're not getting up. So. Yeah, it's definitely one I get from my dad when I when I speak with him on the phone. It's you know, it's not how's how are the grades? It's you know, uh -huh. are you getting exercise? Are you going to the gym? Yeah. <laughs> so for but for exactly that reason, one thing you touched upon too was was uh, sort of financial issues, and, and uh, Rick, I'd like to ask you about that. Uh, you know, credit cards I keep hearing it are are such a big concern for for students, especially incoming students, because they're away from home. They need you know a little detachment from from mom and dad's checkbook. But now, what are some of the real uh, issues that, that face students when it comes to credit cards? Well, I, I think that one of the major problems is that students are able for the first time to actually acquire debt in their own name, and they tend to treat this as something that they're not going to tell their parents. They're going to do it on their own. Sort of a secret shame right, thing. Right, a secret okay. shame, <laughs> and they can very easily get in trouble. And we are, are certainly not against credit cards in our office and understand that they have an important 
role and, and are very helpful for students, especially when students are going to abroad to study. Um, pretty much have to have a credit card to make that work. But what we suggest the student is talk to your parents about the fact that you have the card. Tell them that you got the card. Tell them something about the interest rate on the card, what your plans are for paying it off, whether that's monthly or over time. And let them know what you have set as your limit on the card. If you do that, then you're going to have occasional conversations in the future about how are things going the credit card. And it is much easier to get in trouble with the credit card when the parents are aware of it. And, of course, sure. if you do get in trouble, you have another place to turn for help. Um, and we would suggest um, always to parents to not cut up the credit card the first time that a mistake is made, but to work out some kind of a plan and give a second chance because um, there are very few people in this world who are going to get by without a credit card at a certain point. Now, I remember when I when I first started school, uh, I was put on my parents' credit card. And now, what would you recommend that? Is that does that do you see that that works well? Um, we we do. We don't have a lot of families that come and talk to us about that issue because they've been wise enough to do it on their own. And yeah. I say wise enough because I did it for both of my children when they approached college age and decided I'd put them on the account and we'd let them um, make their mistakes while we were responsible and so that we could help them out. And and um, I will admit that both of them did make mistakes and we did have to bail them out. But when they were ready then to get their own credit card in their own name, they already understood what could go wrong. So I think that that's a really wise thing for parents to do. And um, especially if the parent can do that in a way where they have access to the account online and they can really track things on a very regular basis. Um, when my daughter went abroad to um, Spain, I was able to track her through um, purchases across the country oh, when yeah. she was out of <laughs> phone contact. And, so, of course, I was figuring out two things at once. How much money am I actually paying for this trip? And number two, where is she? Of so uh, I do think that that's a good approach. For Excellent. Well, now, uh, another thing you mentioned, too, was, was this is the first chance for students to accrue debt on their own. Um, and, of course, another form of that is, is the student loans. Now, right. do you see students not making much of a distinction between that? Like, well, I have student loans and I've got debt on this. But, of course, there is a difference. Do you see uh, students making that distinction? Not not necessarily. Okay. Um, I, I think that one of the things that we've seen in our office for several years is that students tend to take out student loans without paying a lot of attention to the terms and conditions. Mm -hmm. And lucky for them, there are people in my office who spend a lot of time worrying about the terms and conditions to make sure that the students are getting loans that they really can live with that have very low costs associated with them. We also try to contact students regularly throughout their years here at MSU to let them know that you do have a loan. This is a loan. It will have to be repaid at some point. Um, but we find that students don't pay a lot of attention to that until they actually are ready to graduate and, and then they start paying more attention. I think that that's somewhat understandable that their focus is really more on you know, paying for today and, and not repaying those loans. Excellent. You Just to, to kind of jump that? in on this, um, actually, your your debt load is a career issue because if you graduate from school and you own you owe so much in your loans that you're going to have to pay five hundred, a thousand, two thousand dollars a month to service that loan. That means that your dream job, if it doesn't pay enough, you can't take it. Yeah. And I've seen way, way too many students that have had to walk away from really neat jobs, you know, in the Peace Corps as a park ranger because they had to have a job that paid enough for them to pay back all that debt. Hmm. And so it's it's something that you really want to think about. 
Yeah, sorry, go right. ahead. Right, and just and I'll add one other point. And one of the ways that the federal government measures whether or not a school is doing the right thing with loans and also whether or not students at the school are doing the right things is a d default rate that they calculate each year for the school. And MSU has a fantastic default rate, which is under 2%. It looks like when the new one is issued um, shortly that ours will be about 1.7%. And on our volume of loans, which is almost, um, what's well, $220 million last wow. year. So it's a lot of loan dollars taken out. Our students are finding jobs and they're repaying their loans, which is a really, really good thing. And we beat the average for four-year publics. We beat the average for the schools in the state of Michigan. Wow. So our, ours, I agree agree with you. We, we really um, want students to stay away from debt, but on the other hand, we can be proud of the fact that our students are finding jobs and they're repaying their loans. <laughs> that's Spartan worth it. Worth Absolutely. Oh, right. Absolutely. That's I think Spartan. we can all get behind that. That's right. And just to give you an idea, in 2006, the uh, uh, MSU student body reported that about 6% of students carry an average uh, monthly balance on a credit card between five and $10,000. So about 6% of our students are carrying between five and $10,000 per month average balance on their credit cards. And if you oh. only make the minimum payment, it right. could take you 20 years or more to pay that back. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, of course, that's the uh, the risk that we're running. But what are some some uh, tips? What are some good ideas that people can can put into practice to to help avoid that? Well, you know, as as we said earlier, to you know, to talk to a parent, make sure that you have someone else who is aware of the card and who can help keep you on track. But we recommend that students really think about when they um, are using the credit card, really think about how am I going to pay and when am I going to pay, and make a commitment to do that and to try, in fact, to not carry a balance from month to month for the, the obvious reason that the cost of whatever it is you purchase goes up so much when you don't do that. So we really recommend that. If you get in trouble, we ask students, come into our office as soon as you think you're in trouble with the credit card or any of your, your bills and talk to us. We do have folks there who are very good at helping you put together a budget. Um, it's harder for us to get you to follow that budget, but we can at least help you lay out a plan that shows what you have coming in and what you have going out every month. And if those two are not in balance or in a positive balance, then you're in trouble mm -hmm. and you have to change some behavior. Um, we also would recommend that if a student really gets into um, real difficulty financially, um, that they may have to consider stepping out of school for a semester and getting themselves back on their feet. And that's a very difficult discussion to have with a student. But in fact, um, if you're at the point where you just cannot get yourself out of the financial hole that you've dug, that is an option that is going to not cost you anything for mm -hmm. that semester. So it is a way for people to, to try to address that. Well, now I see some some universities and colleges having you know credit card fairs, and they'll have the the tents set up and everything. What, what's your take on that? We have not done that um, at MSU, although you know that during um, the rush period at the beginning of the semester, we have a lot of credit card vendors who appear. And, of course, the bookstores um, have inserts in, in any bag that they give you with anything in it for credit cards. I, I don't think that credit cards in and of themselves are the problem. I think that um, many times students are lured by the giveaways that may be associated with um, signing up for a card. And once they have the card, even if they didn't originally intend to use it, I think it's a temptation. So um, there are schools, Ohio State University is one of the schools in the Big Ten that does not allow 
credit card companies to vend on the campus, Mm -hmm. but they do allow them to vend um, on the perimeter of campus. And part of their requirement for um, their major credit card company in that area was to actually have an office on campus that supported student credit counseling for anyone who got in trouble, whether they were using that company's card or not. Um, that's kind of a more innovative thing, but we've not done that at MSU. We've tried to stay away from trying to dictate to people whether a card is good or bad, but to talk more about um, just financial literacy and using a card in a responsible way, the same way that everyone around the table here you know, can talk about doing something in a responsible sure. way. Ours is money. Sure. Well, now, going from, from credit card fares to, to the activities coming up for, for Welcome Week, uh, Eric, uh, I just want to help have you uh, give, it, give us a chance to uh, touch on what's, what's coming up. What can people look forward to? There's certainly a lot of great events. Uh, a lot of different offices and campus uh, activities groups are, are putting on a lot of energy and would really encourage students to, to come check out and join us at a lot of these events. One of the things that we know, uh, and, and Dennis hit on this before, is that students uh, who are more apt to, to kind of cocoon up in their room, that I don't want to get involved, I want to get used to the acclimate to the academic culture, oftentimes don't do nearly as well as students who go out and get engaged in campus right away. Mm-hmm. So hopefully the events that we have will both give them opportunity to know what are the resources, some of them are sitting around the table tonight, um, to get involved in campus, uh, to make good decisions in their life. Um, things that we have going on on Thursday, uh, we have some great engagement sessions um, that lots of different offices will come out um, and do lots of different programs and hopefully answer students' questions before they even ask them. Uh, we also have uh, the president and uh, One Book, One Community author, Susan Carol McCarthy, coming in to talk about uh, welcome students at the University Welcome. Uh, and then Spartan Spirit with the Spartan coaches and athletic teams uh, that evening. And then the uh, evening events uh, throughout that night. There's some great stuff on Friday with the U-Fest uh, at the Union. Uh, and then some, some really fun things. Uh, there's a big concert that uh, will be going on, uh, open to the public, uh, Augustana. Uh, we'll be here. So, so a lot of great events, and hopefully we'll be welcoming students, giving them an opportunity to interact with each other uh, mm-hmm. in some safe, fun venues, as well as giving them a lot of information that will help them transition into their time here at State. Excellent. Well, now, uh, you, you mentioned that, you know, uh, these events open to, to all incoming students, all, you know, current students as well. Uh, are, are there any activities and, and events planned for, for smaller groups, for example, uh, you know, around ethnicities or sexual orientation or things like that? Maybe someone who's looking for more of a niche group within the campus. There are. Uh, one thing I would have all students check out is our website. It's fallwelcome.msu.edu. And there's some great welcome receptions uh, that go through the first and second week of the academic classes. Uh, sprinkled kind of throughout the university. Then there's lots of different neat programs. The Greek community will do a Greek barbecue on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the different racial ethnic uh, student organizations do some specific welcome receptions. And those are open to all students. Uh, it's not uh, one group doing it for inviting one group of, of students, but anybody who's interested and wants to interact uh, is welcome to attend those. Uh, but great stuff's going on. Some of the different unique residential colleges have a lot of neat service opportunities or special programs uh, that are going to be smaller, more intimate. In the residence halls, we have the largest residence hall system here on campus, so they do an incredible amount of work connecting mm-hmm. people to their floors and their smaller communities to help them kind of feel connected at ho- in their home, uh, their new home, sure. uh, as they come onto campus. Excellent. Well, now, another question for you is I, I was thinking about this. What are, what would you say are some of the more overlooked resources that, uh, that MSU has to offer when, when it comes to Welcome Week? I think one of the ones uh, that really gets overlooked um, 
is Olin Health Center. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of students who come to campus, and Dennis had on this before when he was talking about uh, health issues, we've got some great recreational facilities. Uh, one of the great ways students can get involved right away is getting involved in IM Sports. Uh, and they can do that for fun. It's not necessarily highly competitive in all of them. So it's a great way to meet people, uh, to interact with others, and to get exercise. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great way to beat down stress, and particularly as it gets a little chillier out and we get closer to the first finals week, those things will really help students. Sure. Um, I remember seeing some of the, the list of the, the activities. I remember dodgeball being on there. It definitely doesn't sound like it's too intense. Things that uh, you know people can sort of relax with too, I'm sure. You know, and staff from the counseling center are available uh, for students. The transition period, it's one of the biggest transitions in students' lives. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of their support systems are gone. Some are coming from all over the country and all over the world. So there's a lot of people, either in student life, residence life, and really, I think one of the neat things about MSU, it's a place where a lot of people care about students. Mm -hmm. So they can walk into just about any office of any faculty and staff member and say, hey, uh, I need help with this, and they're going to help them. And I think that's a, it's a neat thing about our culture here. Yeah, I, I, I remember that actually when I started last year. Uh, I'm a grad student which Dennis and I mentioned earlier, uh, my, my, my former school uh, on the West Coast, which will go unnamed because of this, uh, you know, I, I remember noticing that, that difference that I came in to, to check into Spartan Village, I came in to, to do various uh, you know, groups, and yeah, that was exactly my experience as well, that people are just genuinely willing to help and things work very smoothly, which... I was surprised. I thought I was in the wrong place just because it went so well. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you had that experience. But certainly, certainly. Well, now, another thing you touched upon, you mentioned that Olin, one of the best resources that we've got here, uh, Aaron uh, from the, uh, hope I'm getting this right, the uh, Center for Sexual Health Promotion. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Well, now tell us what that, that, that's all about and what students can get from that. Sure. Well, the Center for Sexual Health Promotion is actually a uh, very small unit within the wider health education services. Um, and health education services is a great department on the third floor of Olin. Um, we do a lot of prevention education and programming. Uh, we have peer educators that work with us that go out into the dorms and they'll go to, you'll see them at all of these welcome events, um, recruiting to be a part of peer education or um, just to get the word out about some of the health behaviors that you can do to stay healthy and, um, and to really work well in your academics and to be a, a well-rounded great student. Well, know? now what, what are some of the ones that come to mind? Like you mentioned just some, some basic tips. Absolutely. Well, there are, you know, we know about some of the issues that are impacting academics on school or on campus. Um, your top five, we've got stress. Um, students need to know how and and why work, stress works for mm -hmm. them um, and when it's not working for them, what they can do about that. Another one is colds and flus. Um, we're living, like you said, Eric, we're living in the largest contained area in the nation where everybody's living in the mm -hmm. small quarters. you got to wash your hands. you got to stay up on that stuff. you got to get your sleep. Sleep difficulties are another huge issue for students. Um, whether it's transitioning to living with a roommate, to being in a residence hall, being away from home, um, the stress of homework and all the exciting events that are going on on campus. Sure. and um, So sleep difficulties is a big issue for students. Um, one of our areas in the Center for Sexual Health Promotion is relationships. How you're going to relate to people. Huge breakdown in communication for students when they get here and they, maybe they isolate themselves or um, they get really involved in events on campus and don't know how to manage their time. Um, those relationships can really impact your academics. Mm -hmm. Well, um, now, that's one thing that, you, that uh, Dennis, you touched upon, too, was the sort of the breakdown through some of the, uh, the new technologies when it comes to relationships with people, their, their sense of intimacy and things like that. And, and Gwen, if you've got anything to add on that as well, but what, what are some of the problems and, and issues that you see that, that come about because of that? Well, you know, first of all, I'd like to kind of uh, uh, support Eric. I think the uh, uh, 
Student Affairs and the Office of Student Life does a great job for students. And, and there's, you know, you always hear students, now and then you'll hear students say, there's nothing to do on campus. I mean, there's so much to do. And, and, and I also want to support Eric and his comment that if you listen to the panels tonight, Everyone here cares a lot. Absolutely. And I was trying to tell parents today that, that we sure in the heck don't do it for the money. We do it because we really care <laughs> about, about working with students, you know, and we really do. And, and there's a lot of parents listening tonight because they're dropping their the, the kids off and, and their students off. Uh, and they, they should know that we really care about what happens there, not just the academics but everything else, you know. And I was thinking as Aaron was speaking, and I'm just kind of straying from your question, Wes, but I didn't no, no. do that. But, you know, you know – you were going to ask at one point, you said, you know, how do we help them find health? You know, first of all, I don't think most students, most adults, most faculty, most staff understand what health truly is about. Health is not eating three to five vegetables a day or actually three times a week. It's really finding that clarity of the information you need to make a decision and knowing your options. And that's what all these folks are doing here tonight, trying to give you clarity of the information so you can find that. You know, and I know most students know what to do. Most students know what to do. They know that if they're going to drive on East Lansing, they probably should drive the speed limit. Uh, they know if they're <laughs> choosing to be sexually active, they should probably protect themselves. They know if they choose to be, they want to drink, then they should protect themselves. But we don't always do what we know. And the best advice I can give the students is, I know why we don't do what we know. There's three reasons why. Number one, we do what we see. Many of the students come here and they think they're on the top of their, 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 their game, you know, when they get here and they realize they're starting over. So they start to do what they see and, and they think that's what they need to do because they've lost their self-esteem. Mm -hmm. What I try to tell people is go back to what brought you here to MSU and use that self-esteem to, to, to know where you're at and don't do what you see. Second of all, the reason we don't do what we know is because we do what we feel. Emotions are extremely powerful. Now, Wes, I could say, if you come from the West Coast, you've probably made decisions based on emotion before, right? It may have happened once or twice. Yeah, once yeah. or twice. <laughs> We've all done it, you know. And, and, so, and I'm not going to sit there and say it's real easy to manage your emotions, but remember what got you here. Remember how, you know, how you've dealt with emotions in the past. Emotions are real powerful. And the last thing why we don't do what we know really has to do with what Eric says is many times we don't find a community to support us to do what we know. Mm -hmm. Now, there are a lot of people here that, you know, would choose to be abstinent both from alcohol and from sex, but they think they're the only ones. Sure. Or, you know, I always challenge the mentors. We had a chance to train the mentors. I said, you know, two weeks into your mentorship, ask your students, do you feel part of a community? And if they don't feel like they're part of a community, then you really need to work on that because everybody wants to have a community to support them to do what they know they should do, but sometimes don't do it because they can't find a community to support mm -hmm. them. So if you really want to find health, you know, don't just do what you see, don't just do what you feel, and try to find a, a, a uh, community to support you. I, I'd really echo, the, I think one of the best things that new, new students can do is find peers who are going to support them in their academic and social goals. Mm -hmm. um, who they choose to be their friends will, one, probably be the friends they have for the rest of their lives, and hopefully they'll choose wisely. Mm -hmm. uh, and in it's okay to talk to a friend who's making bad decisions, who you're seeing go down a bad path, to say, hey, you know, I care about you, and I, I want you to, to, to make it through this college thing and, and come out on the other side. Certainly. And, that, and what, what we were touching on here, I think that social safety net is, is definitely, whether it's financial or, or life or health or anything, you know, I, I think that's... That's definitely one of the, the most important things to keep in mind. Um, last uh, last thing I'm going to touch on before we uh, before we head out here, I'd like to go around and just say have each person say something they want students to take away from from this this first week in school, whether they're freshmen or sophomores or anything. So we'll go ahead and start with you, Gwen. Um, I think I'll echo a theme that we've been having, which is that you have to get out of your room. Mm -hmm. um, you can't 
do everything online, whether it's looking for a job or making the sorts of social connections that, quite honestly, will help you get a job. I mean, half of people find their jobs because of friends or family. And if you don't have that network, first of all, you don't have someone to support you in what is a very difficult process. Looking for a job is hard, and it's scary because you don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And if you're going through it with people who support you, whether that's career services, your friends, um, you can even take career classes here so you really have a group of peers. Um, that will make the process a lot easier. Excellent. Uh, Rick, any comments? Yeah, I, I would say that um, it would be helpful for students to, if they're actually significantly involved in paying their own bills to make a trip to one of the financial aid offices, either in 150 Administration Building or 252 Student Services Building, just to say hi to somebody who works <laughs> there and, and make sure that everything is okay and that they know where to go if they have a problem. If they're not significantly involved, if it's a parent, then ask your parent questions like, how much is this costing? Is this making a strain on your budget? Is there something that I need to do differently? And just get that communication line open about financial issues. It makes it so much easier. Excellent. Eric? I think... For students, it's important to take healthy risks, uh, mm. to go out there to explore. Um, fall Welcome is a great time to do that. Um, and if they haven't gotten a chance to get all the information, again, fallwelcome.msu.edu. And have fun. Yeah. And our, our Olin representatives, give you guys the last word on that. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think to echo Eric, to have fun. Go out there and have fun and come visit Olin Health Center. We have an open door policy. We are not just the place you come to when you're sick. Um, come <laughs> ask us questions. We love to have students come in, so um, visit us. And I can attest you guys are a very friendly group out there. Well, I want to thank everybody for being here. And uh, just a quick plug for some of the websites uh, available here for more information. Uh, the MSU Career Services Network is available at CSP. Oh, excuse me, not. You're uh, shaking your head. <laughs> CareerNetwork.msu.edu. Oh, career okay, there you have it. A correction on that one. CareerNetwork.msu.edu for uh, MSU Career Services Network. Uh, Rick's office over at the Office of Financial Aid. I hope I've got this one right. F-I-N-A-I-D.msu.edu. He's nodding his head so correct. that I get that's right. That's uh, Eric's group with the uh, Department of Student Life is studentlife.msu.edu. And for information about this week's activities, check out fallwelcome.msu.edu. And, of course, Olin Health Center uh, available at olin.msu.edu. Uh, I want to thank you all for being here. This is some great information. I know I've learned a lot being a student myself, and uh, if anyone's wanting to come back at any point, you're, you're all welcome. So, uh, well, last, Let me sorry. give my last piece of advice. And my last piece of advice is to listen to the impact. And, oh. and, and I have to say that my favorite show is up next, Progressive Torch and Twang. So it's one of my favorites, too. I can, I, I can to attest to that. Well, uh, one quick word, too. I want to give a thanks to Amanda. She's been our exposure director for the last uh, few months. Uh, she couldn't be here with us tonight, but she's been on a fantastic job lining up some great guests like the folks here tonight. So I want to give a quick thank you to her. Uh, we're going to wrap things up and head over to the Progressive Torch and Twang right now. Again, thanks, everyone, for being here, and we'll see you all again next week. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact. <laughs>